most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses Mrs. AJ Jones Yes, sir How the heck are you? I am both full and exhausted Mm-hmm This week was pretty much a blur It was totally a blur uh, Great week Had the more conference this week Mm-hmm um, and got to meet tons of people that have been listening to the podcast. Yeah, from all over the country. Which was amazing. I know. Thank you, everybody who came up to say hi. It was super encouraging. It was so fun. It was so fun to meet you. Yeah, I met listeners in Seattle. Yes, from Seattle, yeah. Florida. Yes, Kentucky. Look at you. Alabama. And? Maryland, I think. Yeah. So, uh, I'm sorry if I've missed out on what state you're from. I'm. It's all sort of blending together for me. The weekend was quite... Intense. I find I probably need a couple of weeks to process it. The weekend was amazing, but yeah. to be sure, we're not going to be able to give you an update on the more conference until we've had a little bit more sleep and a little bit more time to process it. Amen? Yes. Yes, yes. Which is just as well, because we have an awful lot of ground to cover tonight. <laughs> we certainly do. We love getting to run a school all about transformation. Yes. And so we've asked some of our graduates to join us this week to just talk about their journey to the school and their experiences on the school. Yeah, it's going to be great. Welcome, guys. Hey. Thanks for having yeah. us. This is exciting. I wish everybody could see how cute you guys look with your headphones and microphones and all of that. I think where we want to begin is I want to ask you guys how you even ended up at the school. Because as I'm looking around the room, not a lot of you were actually from Franklin to begin with. So what was your journey? How did you end up hearing about the school? How did you end up applying? Who wants to start? Okay. Well, since all eyes are on me, I guess that means me. <laughs> Well, I was basically in full-time ministry or an outreach capacity and had done a Bible school, had done YWAM. And to be honest, I didn't really think I needed the school. So I had friends (laughs) that had done it, um, as well as different church members at Grace Center that had approached me and said, hey, have you ever thought about it? And I immediately would just kind of dismiss it and think, well, I have a full-time job. I'm already in ministry. I had my list of why well, I don't think I need to. Right. Um, and uh, then one of my closest friends went through the school and I literally saw him, the transformation in his life created such a hunger in my own where I thought, wow, like I, I would love to see that kind of transformation in my own life. And right. what would it look like? If I um, wasn't as prideful and didn't think I had kind of <laughs> arrived, and I think the Holy Spirit kind of convicted me on that and said, "Oh well, that's that's good. You think you've arrived, and you're at the ceiling of what growth looks like because you're right. quote unquote in ministry, if you will." And so I thought, "Oh, yeah, I I haven't arrived, and I do want to be a continual." learner, or as Alan says, also a continual unlearner, right? and thought, I, I would love to see that kind of change and transformation. So initially it didn't seem possible, and uh, and then kind of got to a place where I thought, if this is God, it's going to be possible, so let's just at least fill out the application. It couldn't hurt. Right. I'm just going to sit down, <laughs> fill out this application, and at least take that first step and then see what God does with that first initial yes that says, okay, I'm going to do this. So, yeah, it's funny what a trap the pride thing is, isn't it? Like in terms of I've arrived, because I, I know like for myself, a couple of different times in my life, I've thought, okay, like I'm good. I've, I've arrived now, you know, and then the Lord will just show you something a little bit different. And you're like, oh, I haven't arrived because yeah. I don't think we ever do. Um, but yeah, it's, that's awesome. So cool. Hi, I'm Adam, and my wife and I, uh, we, our journey was 
kind of a strange one in that we were actually directors of a school wow. in North Carolina um, with Catch the Fire. Amazing ministry, amazing group of people. Um, love them all dearly. And we'd done that for a few years and um, we're sort of in a season of transition and ended up going to Toronto, which Woo. shout out TACF <laughs> slash Catch the Fire Toronto um, and did a three week leader school. And while we were there, through a series of kind of crazy experiences and the Lord speaking to us. And then also a hunger for more training, more equipping, more healing. We um, Lord spoke to us about Nashville and then that partnered with a hunger for more. We were just like, Lord, what does this look like? What does this mean? Okay. Training and equipping Ivan Allen, who you guys know, love Ivan and Isabel um, Ivan, prophesied over us at the school and gave us this incredible word about stepping in quickly stepping into a season of training and equipping. And so, uh, as we processed, uh, all of this, we realized, Oh, there's a school in Nashville or Franklin. And it, not only is it, uh, uh a school connected with Toronto, obviously you guys having sure. come from there, but, um, it's, it's, doable in that we can go. It's two days a week. We don't really know what the future looks like. We don't really know why we're going other than we were hungry for healing. We knew that the trajectory of our lives was going up, but we felt that the condition of our heart was not going in the same direction as our life was. Um, Not that we were horribly depressed or anything, but just there was, we knew there was more for us and, and, it felt like the right time in the season to step into sure. training and equipping. So, because you were a director of a school just like ours, yeah, right. You, you and your wife, yep. were both directors, and that's what blew our mind. We're like, but don't you have your own school? Why are you coming to this school? Right. That just that just caused us no end of amusement, and just your humility that you would leave your job, your life, your home where you were, and move across country and set up because you didn't know anybody. No, you, I mean, you knew nobody here No, and you had a baby girl and we had a gosh, a five, six month old. Uh, and again, nothing was wrong with our life in Raleigh. It was amazing. Community was great and, and, and job was great and all that sort of thing. But after taking three weeks off to just invest in who we were individually and our relationship with God, it was like, we have to have more. We'd never not done that. We'd always been in leading something, whether it was youth group as a kid, college ministry, young adult ministry, school of ministry, you know, you know we were, which we love, Sure. but taking that time, it was like, oh, this is so vital. Right. This is huge. Like there could not be anything more valuable to invest your time and money in than figuring out who you are and who, what your dynamic, what the relationship with God that you are created for is like. I sure. mean, we were sort of like, felt like we were flying at 10,000 feet, but had never really learned how to fly. Do you know what I mean? It was like, how do we do these controls and who, who's even controlling the plane? Am I, is he, is he, you know? So, um, that was, that was what landed us in Nashville to do the school. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Well, for me coming to the school was probably totally out of left field, um, in the scope of the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and the school, prior to me coming was actually part of what helped me to become saved in the first place. So at the age of 26, I came down and I visited Grace Center and Emanate and the school because a friend of mine was a small group leader at the time. And I wasn't entirely sure what I even thought about God or Jesus. And I was kind of warming up to the idea, but the experiences I had just witnessing what I did when I visited were part of the final things that helped me to 
finally give my life to Jesus. And the second I did that, there was no question in my mind that if I was going to do this with the Lord, I was going to do it all the way. I don't like to do things part way. So for me, I was like, well, <laughs> I've like run away from this my entire life and um, I'm not going to waste any time. And I just really wanted to be fully immersed. So it was a no brainer. I knew I'd met people when I visited that did the school and they were different. And I was just attracted to whatever it was that they had. And um, I think maybe something in my spirit knew that I would need like the safety to being a new, a new believer. So I applied, I think pretty quickly after I got saved. Elena, that's amazing. I love hearing your story. I'm now looking to my left at an old friend from Scotland, even though he's Irish. Mr. Quinn, talk to us about your journey to the school. Okay. So my journey to the school, I spotted a tweet from your good self, mm-hmm. in which you'd spelled a word incorrectly. And, you know, I couldn't let the world suffer under... I had to correct your spelling. Uh, which I, I was, com- I was compelled to. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You were. You mentioned that. And, uh, and so we had a very brief Twitter conversation, which, which ended up with you saying, you should come out and visit us. And for context sake, I'd left the UK in 2003. This is yes. now, what, maybe 2010? 12. 2012. So we hadn't seen each other since my wedding, really, in 2005. No. And so I'm living in America. You're living in a, in the UK. Yeah. I tweet something. You correct the spelling, and yeah. I say, "Hey, now that I've got your attention, why don't why don't you come out to Nashville for a break?" Yeah. But I was too proud, so I thought, "What? You can't tell me what to do with my holidays, vacation." <laughs> so I just didn't. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I even responded to that. I think I just let I it hang. Remember. Um, and I suppose, again, the Lord was just working in my heart and, you know, that manifested itself as, do you know what? I'm being invited out to go to a nice sunny place for a holiday. Why would I not want to do that? So I got back in touch and said, hey, you know, about that offer, if it's still open, can I can I come? Um, and you said yes. And so I came out. It was a almost exactly this time of year because it was. it was, in fact, I didn't come out for the Moore Conference, which we've just had here. I came out on holiday and those were the dates that I could make. So um, I arrived on the first night of the Moore Conference, as it turned out. And Gary Morgan was speaking at that conference, who I think you had on here last week, yep. right? So uh, I hadn't experienced prophecy like that ever before. I hadn't experienced words of knowledge. I hadn't experienced... He, he prophesied over me, which had a huge impact on me. Um, but most of all, I think I just experienced the presence of God in a way that I hadn't before. So when you say you'd never experienced the presence of God like that, help, help us understand what you mean by that. I mean, I had experienced for sure the presence of God before. You know, I had spent time in worship and experienced the presence of God. It was just thicker. Yeah. It was just, it was just kinder. Like, it wasn't, um, so I'm standing in worship typically at a, at a worship session at the Moore Conference back there in 2012. And it the words of the songs were impacting me and, you know, I, I loved them. But really it wasn't really the words of the songs. It wasn't like I heard the Lord speak uh, distinctly to me on any specific thing. I didn't hear any specific words from him. I was just overwhelmed by a sense of how much he loved me. And that's a very difficult thing to explain because it's not particularly rational. Right. But I, I was just overcome by a sense of his goodness and his kindness towards me and his love. So you encounter God's presence, you encounter our culture, 
and I know that you decided to do the school because you came and did it. Coming to do the school cost you a lot. N- not just our application fee, but you had to leave Scotland, <laughs> quit your job, pretty mm-hmm. much sell everything you own, mm-hmm. and move to a foreign country. That's right. Without knowing what you were getting. That's right. T- talk us through that process, because that's a huge commitment. Well, without was saying without knowing what I was getting is true, but on the other hand, I could see some of it here. So in my interactions, even with people, I was aware of um, not just yourself, but other people that I encountered on that trip over here. I just saw something they had that I didn't have, which I couldn't necessarily put into words. But I guess if I was to try and put it into words, I would say they had a much better sense of their identity in God. They were more operating out of sonship. They were you know, operating as sons and daughters that knew they were loved unconditionally. And that was permeating their whole their words, their actions, their everything. Um, and I didn't have that. And so while I, you're right in that I didn't know what I was getting, I could see what the, the end result could be. And I was excited by that. I think we were all staggered when you, because I knew your life in Scotland. You had a great job. Mm-hmm. You were a working professional. Mm-hmm. You earned a good salary. You had a great life. And you quit everything. <laughs> I think that's one of the most awe-inspiring things for us as the directors of the school is to watch people leave many of the things that the world is trying to acquire to come live in Franklin, Tennessee for eight months and sit in a tin room <laughs> for two days a week mm-hmm. and you know learn about the presence of God. It's, it's humbling. It's amazing. And then, of course, we love watching people's hunger be rewarded by the transformation that we see and... It was such a joy for for me, of course, because we've got a long, long history going back years and years and years to when we were but young lads in university. And uh, plus, I'm jealous for everybody to experience Southern hospitality in America. And I don't think you'd ever had your tea iced. No. Or your biscuits with gravy. No, I hadn't. I was glad to have that. It's all part of the glory. Yeah. I'm glad it was a combination of my husband's poor spelling and Southern food that brought you to the school. Whatever it takes. Yeah. (laughs) Amanda, tell us what brought you here. Gosh, when you asked that question, a flood of emotions just hit me out of nowhere because to put myself back into that thought process that I was in before doing the school is just a world of difference from where I'm at now. So here's your first shameless plug to do the school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I had gone to um, the School of Worship in Bethel. And so I had done that and I had tasted first of like what the Lord's love could be like. Yeah. And I remember really wanting to do BSSM. And so around that same time when I came back home, I had applied and got accepted to their school and it just felt like I wasn't supposed to go. And around the same time I started visiting Nashville. And so I came to Grace Center for a conference and was introduced to the world of Grace Center and all of the (laughs) wonderful things. And so it just became like this home away from home feeling. And um, when I decided to move here, it was no question in my mind that I wanted to taste the freedom that I was experiencing, though I didn't know how to explain like what I was picking up on the people around me. Um, that's what led me. I, I remember somebody asking me, it was an alumni student and they said, why do you want to do this school? And I had this really big vulnerability moment where I said, I would really like to not hate myself anymore. Oh. Truly, like I was in such a broken state and I had so much 
self-hatred and all of these really intense, heavy feelings. And it, it really was the choice to do the school was like, I really know that I need I need help and I need the Lord's love. So cool. Yeah. And he came through. <laughs> Come on. He always comes through, doesn't he? Yeah. For our listeners, honestly, I wish you could see these incredible graduates because yeah. they literally are shining examples of what God can do with laid down lives. I mean, seriously, you're all amazing. You really are, guys. Okay, Judah, talk to us about your story because your story has a few interesting twists and turns. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> the way that I got to the school was super interesting. We're chuckling now, mainly because I thought it was a cult for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you applied and then ran away. Yeah, if that, I remember right. That's exactly what happened. Talk to us about that. So I, I came to I started coming to Emanate in the fall of 2012, and uh, Mr. Alan Jones gave me a prophetic word. I don't even and remember that. Freaked me out. It was my first time at Emanate and you like relayed back to me my entire life and you had never seen me or met me before. And it was this really kind of just supernatural experience for me where I felt so seen and known by the Lord. So that's what kind of kept me coming. Um, even though I thought it was super weird. I thought everyone was super weird. And Just like, because of your church background and upbringing? Yeah. So like I grew up Pentecostal. So it was like they believed in like experiencing the Holy Spirit, but it was nothing like Grace Center. Right. Not even close. And yeah, it kept me coming. Like some, some of the stuff that was was a little weird was like people manifesting. and all That was sure. kind of hard for me. Um, and just like the idea, like way everyone can prophesy, like, it's not just like the elders of the church, like the, that kind of stuff. Sure. But so, so I was coming to emanate for a while and then I went one night and you guys had like a guest speaker and it kind of like really freaked me out. And so who was the guest speaker? It's James Gall. But <laughs> <laughs> <With> James, <laughs> was it the night that, was it like the night where like James was at emanate once and it's easily one of the top 10 services I've ever been in, in my life. Yeah. It, he was like an Old Testament prophet. Yeah. It was, it was the night that he, uh, he stood up um, Sarah and Josh Parsons Yep, and talked about like how Charlie Brown had come to him in a dream and told him that the Parsons are pastors. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and you have no training in the prophetic. So you've got no, no grid for that. No at all. grid at all. Right. And so I get super freaked out and I'm like, well, I like, I'm, I don't think I can come to this place anymore. And so I left Grace Center for like five, five to six months and ran away to Central America. You, you thought, you honestly thought we were a cult. You had people saying, that it's a cult. Yeah. There's the Kundalini spirit at work. <laughs> you watch some scary YouTube videos. Yep. I, I, uh, I just had people like calling me like, Hey, I'm just really concerned for you. Like you're a part of this like church movement, false teachers and all this stuff. And so I left Grace Center. And then I remember the first time I recognized that I missed the presence and I recognized that it was the presence of God that I missed. I just sat on my floor and cried and cried and cried for like two or three hours. Just being like, oh, I just want to go back there. I just want to go back there. I just want to go back there. But I can't because it's a cult. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and then I encountered God pretty radically where he just told me to move back to Chicago. So I moved back to Chicago. And in Chicago, I read this book called Wild at Heart. And at the end of the book, they have you ask God a question. You ask him, hey, like, what do you think about me? And so I asked him that and he didn't answer me. 
he said, do you trust me? I was like, yes. Maybe. Asterix. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, and he said, then move back to Nashville and do the school of supernatural life. And so that's how I got to the school. It's pretty good when you get an endorsement from the Lord himself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like being like, that was the reason why I went because I, I know what I heard and like going into it, I was super nervous. Uh, but the Lord was like, Hey, just trust, trust everything that these people tell you. Whoa. And so that's kind of what had me stay there and just be open to everything that people have taught me there is because the Lord said, Hey, stay open to everything these people have to say, cause it's going to lead to abundant life. Gosh, I love that. I realize this next question is pretty broad and you could probably answer it a different way on any different day, but having done the school, what were some of the things that changed for you? Uh, everything. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this oh, earlier, just in preparation for the interview. And the only thing I could come up with was everything. It changed everything. Um, Cause I can look at, I can look at every area of my life and see practically and spiritually the things that I have would not be that way if I hadn't done this school and the life that I have with the Lord and the marriage that I have and even the confidence I have in my future and to echo Amanda a little bit, the love that I have for myself now, I don't think would have been possible had I not had the opportunity to be immersed in that community especially as a newer believer, people never believe that I've only known the Lord for like a couple of years when they meet me. And I think it's because I was steeped in that environment. And there are things that I see my friends going through spiritually, or even just like theological battles that they have that I don't feel affected by because I'm so convinced of God's love for me. So the school equipped me in so many ways that every day I'm using those skills still, like especially the communication and um, Alan's teaching about how to be awesome because the Lord has given us authority over our lives. And for me, that was the first time in my life I realized I wasn't actually a victim and that I had been living like a victim and so passive. So there's all these very practical ways that we've been equipped and even in ministry things, so praying and prophesying and praying for healing but I think just that foundation of the love of God, if I had not been immersed in that, I just think my life would look so different now. But I think everything I have now that I love was made possible because I invested in getting my life turned upside down. It's crazy because everything can feel like such a cliche thing to say, but the school is designed in such a way to kind of remove the clutter of your life, of the beliefs that you have about yourself and about other people and leaders and God. And so you sort of have this blank canvas to finally receive the Lord in his fullness. And then his fullness comes into like the fullness of your life. And there's not one area that it couldn't possibly touch, which is just amazing. And again, it, it feels annoying that it feels kind of like cliche to say, but it's just completely true. <laughs> Adam, I would say, Probably one of the biggest things that changed for me was, well, you guys talk about, you say this quite often in the school and it's so true. And maybe it's a quote from someone else. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the key to learning is being able to unlearn just as well or something to that effect. Yeah, to be lifelong learners, we have to be lifelong unlearners. So I would say a huge part of my experience at SOSL was unlearning uh, 
bad thinking, whether it was ungodly beliefs or even um, just stuff you pick up, not necessarily that anyone taught you, but you just sure. life and hurts and pains. You just begin, you create these frameworks in your mind. And I'd created some really horrific frameworks for how I lived my life. So for example, uh, the boundaries week absolutely turned my life upside down. I'd never, I'd heard the book, even being given the book, never read it. Uh, right. probably should have done that. Uh, could have saved me a few years of <laughs> pain, but, um, uh, I remember that week being so heartbroken listening to you teach on boundaries because I realized I realized that I'd never realized how much power God had given me in the way I could live my life and interact with people and govern my relationships that would actually promote health instead of death. And here's what I mean. I shaped my future. I shaped the way I thought about myself. I shaped the way even dynamics of my marriage around what I thought people thought about me. And I thought that was being a good Christian. Whoa. Your whole life was dictated by what you thought other people thought of you. Totally. So take a, take a good principle, like submit to healthy leaders. Yep. And I would then take that to the nth degree and to say, okay, whatever Alan, Alan's my leader, whatever Alan says about me is it. And I have to, if I do anything outside of that, what is he thinking of me? If I step out, if, if, if I have a passion for something that isn't within the scope of what Alan has prophesied over me or shared with me, I need to throw it away because that's not God's plan for my life. Or like, I mean, just crazy stuff that seemed normal in my mind. Right. And you begin to talk about things like, what are the dreams within your heart? Well, what are the things that God's put within you? Well, uh, Hey, did you know that you can actually temper who has influence in your life? Starting with God, number one, leaders and and spouse, or and sort of like moving in these outer ring circles and realizing, wow, just because this guy that I met that goes to my church or that I work with or whatever the case is says this thing about me, I don't need to live my life in such a way that I have to I have to appease him. Like right. so, even in leading the school, which was a, a, a such a growing and incredible in many ways experience. I, as a school director, this is horrible. As a school director, I shaped my job and my role and my expectation of what I was supposed to look like based on whether or not the students liked me. <laughs> and you, can you imagine how horrible, I mean, hindsight, I didn't know any different. Right. I didn't know any better. I just thought, okay, the, the evidence of me doing well in something is how people respond. Right. If you're doing well, then people like you and they affirm you. And if you don't like me and affirm me, I'm doing something wrong. Wow. And now I think of that and that's horrible, but that was the cage I right. lived in. So you're constantly being held hostage to other people's expectations of you. Exactly. Voluntarily, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. And I thought that was the right thing to do. Like I didn't, I literally didn't know that that was wrong until, and I'm, I'm as more broad than just boundaries week, but just being set free from that and realizing I'm not responsible for how you think of me. Right. Like I'm only responsible for being me. And I'd never been, I never knew that I was free to just be me. Oh, I love that. All right, Mr. Quinn, same question to you. I think the main thing that changed me, and I'm just, I was just sharing with these guys that I think literally it changes every few months. You know, sometimes I think to myself, oh, it's, it was this. And then I'm like, no, do you know what? It was this. I have this new revelation that actually the, the, the stuff, the truth that was imparted to me during the school a different thing but i think honestly it boils down to being confident and hearing god's voice for myself Mm -hmm. that changed for me was my my confidence in hearing god's voice so i i am confident that i did hear god's voice before i came to the school it's just that it 
while I was viewing it or hearing him through a filter a right. lot of the time. So I was a lot of the time I was hearing angry God, right? which I now know wasn't the voice of God. Therefore, I didn't seek him out. I didn't presume. I didn't want to spend time listening to him because he didn't have anything nice to say about me. So it seemed. Then I learned to sit down and hear his voice. I learned about the father heart and I realized just how much he loved me. And therefore, and then I, that made me want to hear him speak over me. And the, the change that that's brought about in my life is nothing short of miraculous mm-hmm. because that uh, has provided the foundation for my identity now. So my identity before would have been on, on how well I did things right, and what other people thought of me. Um, now it's based on what the Lord thinks about me and I know what he thinks about me um, and it's all good. And so whenever I hit a patch where I'm, I don't feel affirmed or, you know, I, I feel less than confident about what I'm doing or I don't know. Like, so let's say I'm speaking at, uh, we have a school in Edinburgh. Uh, so let's say I speak at the school or let's say I speak in my church and I feel like I haven't done a very good job. Rather than beating myself up about it, I ask the father what he thinks about it or what he thinks about me. And I rest in that rather than in perhaps criticism from other people or perceived you know, disapproval from other people or whatever sure. it may be. So it's changed my whole, the foundation of my identity because I, I get my identity from what he says about me. And what's crazy is if you think about it, that's week one. Mm. Like week one, hello. Yep. We're going to teach you how to hear God's voice in four easy steps. Mm-hmm. And we guarantee you, you will be able to hear God's voice. Mm-hmm. Like I love what you said, that I could hear God's voice, but it seemed like it was at his discretion. Yes. Like when he would speak, I would hear him. Yeah. But now learning, I can hear God as often as I choose to listen for him, yeah. not as often as he chooses to speak. Uh-huh. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it. So cool. Change for me, having done the school and then been a small group leader at the school, and then now I'm one year out of the school. To me, change looks like it started a process of change that continues on a daily basis. Yeah. So every day not being in the school, I realize currently my life now is impacted because of the tools that I was given for eight months. Um, So I don't necessarily think of it as a before and an after. Um, I can see the results. So just on a practical level before the school, um, growing up in church, uh, my dad's a pastor. So that was kind of my immersion was from my earliest memories. It was church. Um, but as a result of that, people are people. And just because you're in church doesn't mean they're perfect. But my personal experience was a lot of church authority wounding, or I don't know if I can trust these people. Right. And not because of my dad, but just because what I was surrounded with growing up, seeing people that are just, they're in need of a savior, just like I am, you know? Right. So I right. came in with a lot of distrust towards church leadership and like, I don't know if I want them to see my junk because it could disqualify me. But realizing, I think on the flip side of the school, like God really did a healing work in that where I go, wow, this leadership is safe. They're not scared by my junk. They're not going to write me off. It's not a legalistic church environment. It's so free and it's literally empowering me to be the woman of God that God's designed me to be because of the church leadership that's that's there um, to protect me, but then also to champion and, and um, inspire and encourage me. So I think on a practical level, my perspe- perspective of church leadership has totally shifted. Um, 
But at the same time, on a daily basis, I see the change where I go, wow, I couldn't have the job that I have now had I not done the school and dealt with, let's say, the topic of ungodly beliefs. Because this job right now that I have, I'm like, this is, I feel like I'm highly underqualified for this. I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> you can hear the ungodly beliefs just start coming out of the woodwork. But to be able to go, no, I'm, I'm driving into work. I'm called. I'm going to be- begin to implement godly beliefs that I know I'm called in this season of life to do this job or in relationships or, I mean, there's every week I feel like at the school is equipping you for long-term change. So to me, I think that's the most beautiful thing is it's literally setting you up with eight months of tools and habits to become a highly effective um, person in a professional level, in a spiritual level, your walk with the Lord, in a supernatural level, because we're supernatural beings. It's just emerging of every component of life being equipped with tools to how to better handle it and see long-term change. So cool. Judah, what about you? That That's a really loaded question because so, so many things changed for me in my life after just the first year of school, let alone the second year of school. That's right. Cause you did both years. Yeah. And then was just on staff for a year. Yeah. And so doing three years kind of in the pressure cooker of SOSL that there's so many aspects of my life that are completely different, but to go back to the first thing that I think started the snowball effect in my life and my relationship with the Lord was, I feel like, there were two parts of the Godhead that I had never really been introduced to. And I felt like I was sat in a room and like taken by the hand and introduced to the Holy Spirit and then taken by the hand and introduced to the Father and met them for the first time. And that changed everything. Meeting them, getting to know them, the Holy Spirit and all of the wild Uh, aspects of who he is and the father and his kindness and his love and his mercy that changed everything. I think a a huge aspect that was restored to me as well in year one was like falling in love with the bride. I was just super bitter and angry. I was, I'm a pastor's kid. So I was like a really angry pastor's kid wounded by the church. Um, But I, as I got to know the father and got to know the Holy spirit and got to know Jesus and their hearts, I couldn't help but fall in love with the bride as well. Right. So you, you developed a new love for the church, a new love for the church, for community, for family. Absolutely. Speaking of that, the church, I think it's interesting that I'm looking around the table and grace center was new to you guys too. For some of you, at least. So it wasn't just the school culture that was new to you, but it was also Grayson that was new to you. And I, I know, Judah, you were saying that when you first came, you thought it was a cult. Yeah. <laughs> Describe, what's Grayson are like to people who've never been a Grayson? Oh, man. It's like a river, I think. Like, Grayson is, is just this really kind of amazing family of people Um and I think that there there is something amazing that can be experienced if you choose to let them know you. Right. Um, I mean, I I had so many strange encounters my first couple times at Grace Center. I remember this one time, I just like kind of partied the night before, 
And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to go to church, but don't let anybody like, don't let them see me. Cause it still weirds me out that these people like know things about me <laughs> and all that stuff. So, so I, I go into church Sunday morning and then I see, uh, I think it's the personal ministries pastor, uh, Christine Stroop. Yep. I see her looking at me from the distance and I'm like, God, like I told you I was going to come if you didn't let them see me. <laughs> and she walks over to me and she says, Hey, I don't really know you. Um, but I feel like you're hidden. I see a paper bag over your head and I just want to let you know, it's okay that you want to be hidden, but this is a safe place to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) How does that make you feel? It was just a crazy, wild, wild adventure of experiencing church and family and the Holy spirit and the father and Jesus all working together as like, as one big family. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I had had that experience at Bethel, I remember the first time walking into Gray Center and feeling like, oh, this feels the same. It feels so similar. And if you've ever been to Redding, California and Bethel, like just the presence of God is so thick and it's the honor placed on the presence of God. Yeah. That God is a friend and he's our honored guest and he's the one that we're here for. And so that was evident the moment that I walked in the door and it's never changed. It's always been the same, so consistent in the high value for the presence of God. And so Grace Center is this wonderful place uh, where we get to practice doing family with people. And it's a wonderful experience. Um, Cause I've, I have had experiences in family and in church family where I've had a lot of hurts and like so many people have. Yeah. And it was a challenge to say yes to family and to say yes to church and to say yes to a new experience. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, I've experienced so much healing and wholeness, just attending church, just like being a part and being around moms and dads and sons and daughters and just family. And it's been wonderful. Changed my life. It was amazing. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) How would you describe Grace Center? I mean, what's Grace Center been like for you? Grace Center has been a really safe place to be in process. Like it, it's a, I could imagine the dynamic of hosting people for a short period of time, but also trying to be a a local church family would be an interesting thing to navigate for you guys Mm -hmm. as leadership team. But it's never once felt like, well, there's the school students and, but here's over, here's the local church. It's just like, we're in this big Holy ghost mess together and figuring it out as we go. Like, and walking under pastor Jeff on Sundays is the most fun thing because he's like, so humble and, and so, I don't know. He's just in for the ride. He's in for the adventure. And that's what I think doing the school it's a, there's a big element of the unknown. I mean, you guys, you get a pan or a catalog and you, you know, you lay out as much for us as possible as far as what the weeks are going to look like in the schedule. But at the end of the day, it's sort of like when God shows up, who knows what's going to happen. And right. so there's that element on Sunday mornings that is fun. You just don't know what the service is going to look like and you don't know what, yeah, what's going to happen. And I think so coming in and being, uh, being a student, but wanting community, it was a really safe place to find that, to find relationship, 
to be in process, whether you're the cool thing about Nashville is there's so many people who are really well known for their music or their ministry or their job or whatever. And then there's obviously a ton of people who aren't known at all yet at Grace Center. It feels like it's a level playing field. Like there's not a hierarchy of, well, you're anointed and amazing and you're in the school. So you just kind of like, so I mean, no, it's like, we're, we're just in this, we're just together. We're going to go for God. We're going to go for healing. We're going to go for revival. We're going to go for the kingdom, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's, uh, but I've noticed for those people like Judah talking about how he had been hurt by the church, but you obviously Judah at some point came and said, I'm in like you had a positive mentality. So there's, that would be the the flip side is I remember Anna and I coming in and just crying the first Sunday and we were like, we're in, like, I remember choosing, like, even though we've never been here before, well, we'd been here one time a, a year or two prior on a visit to see my sister, but like, we're in, like, this is going to be home. I remember choosing that. And, and had we not done that, I don't know that we would have had the same experience. Right. What about your experience, Quinn? Wow. Grace Center. I, I love Grace Center. I mean, I just... I arrived to do the school, and so I hadn't experienced Grace Center apart from the war conference beforehand, um, and so I wasn't really sure what I was going to expect. But I was signed up to it, you know. I I had committed, and that was it. Um, and I loved it. I just experienced so much honor and favor there from the word go. Um, and people sometimes say that's because of my accent, but I don't believe it. <laughs> um, so I loved it. I loved. That I loved the freedom and the freedom from any kind of program necessarily. So, I mean, obviously, most Sundays, Grace Center looks like a certain thing. It looks like you start in worship and then you have some notices and then you have a talk and you finish. I mean, that's that's basically how it works, like most churches, right? But there were times and there were, it felt like a, a significant number of times when Pastor Jeff would just can the talk you know, which he had probably prepared mm-hmm. at great length. And just because the presence of God was so thick, so obvious, he would just roll with it. And we would just spend more time in worship. We would spend time in silence. We would spend time waiting on the Lord. And I just I just love that there was that freedom and that he had the courage to do that. Yeah. Courage is something he does not lack. <laughs> no. And I also remember, I mean, these are little things that just jump out to me. I remember several times you or Pastor Jeff or whoever was emceeing or leading the service would get up, you know, when there was a time of ministry or when it was a time of worship and it had just gone quiet and it had been quiet for a while or just just the presence of God was there and, and you would openly say from the front, hey, we don't actually know what to do, you know? And there was that that courage of just trusting the Holy Spirit and not not needing to perform in a certain way because a certain way was expected of you because this is the way that you run a service or this is what you're supposed to do now. It was just like, we, we don't know what to do. So we're just going to roll with this for a while. <laughs> I love that. Mm. You know, there's so few people like Jeff Dollar, mm. like his, his meekness is matched only by his boldness. And those two usually don't go together, mm. but his, his resolute honor of God over and above the fear of man, I think it's amazing. That's a good way to put That's it. That's why we're all like, oh, we're following you. Yeah. I know you don't know where you're going some of the time, but we're not intimidated by that. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll follow you as you follow God. I think my answer is probably pretty brief. I think it's Grace Center is a, it's a family that has one thing in mind. We're, we're going after God and we don't care what it looks like. Yeah. And 
to me, I think that's a beautiful thing to truly have, like you said, the the dads and the moms and almost like the uncles and the aunts and then the teenagers and the middle schoolers and the children and to literally have the full spectrum of life in one church. It's not a youth church. It's not just, well, it's a bunch of like, it's, it doesn't fit into one age grouping, Yeah, which I feel like that's so healthy to have the full spectrum of ages, the full spectrum of wisdom, yeah. the full spectrum of youth. Um, and I think that's probably the best way I would put it, that it's, it's a, it's a group of people that are in pursuit of God and it doesn't matter what it looks like. Um, and it also, it doesn't matter what you look like either, you know, which is fun because it's easy to walk into church and feel a little self-conscious of, oh, is everyone looking at me or what am I doing? And to realize, no, not as many people are looking at you as you think they are. Right. And anyone at Grace Center that is looking at you is looking at you through the eyes of love and the eyes of God, the father, which is like, we don't, we don't care what you look like. We care about your heart and your heart is in this room with our hearts. So let's just go after Jesus. Yeah. I, I love that thing of being able to come as you are, because it kind of makes me think if you showed up in your pajamas, people would assume they missed the notice that it was pajama day. They wouldn't think that you were strange. You know, <laughs> it was just like, all right, then let's do yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. I feel like my answer is very similar, but it has to do with the heart, like the heart of God, which is what I feel like everything we do is around. Like there's such a rich um, like inner healing ministry at our church. And the school is very much like that. So the first four weeks are all core heart things. So there's like going after the heart of God, but also tending to your heart. And so I feel like Grace Center, like you can feel it when you walk in, that it's peaceful and it's gentle and it's a really safe place to be broken, but it's also a really safe Goodness, I can't get through a question without crying. <laughs> oh, I have so many feelings. Um, it's a really safe place to be broken, but it's also a really safe place to to rise. I think it's yeah, just so accepting. On. And I remember coming and seeing people that I didn't know that were just wild in worship. And it's easy to have judgment about that. But then you let yourself be a little bit wild in worship. And then you find out that there's something God has been calling you to that you didn't know. <laughs> so it's just this incredible place where people are abandoned to the Lord. And it's sometimes it's a little bit crazy, but it's also so safe. And I think in large part, that's because of Jeff and Becky. Yeah. And because the school is part of Grace Center, everything that Jeff and Becky have worked their lives for and everything they've given for the Lord and everything they've done to steward Grace Center the school has been like imparted with as well. So when I look at the leadership from Jeff and Becky to you and Alan, Tony, Christine, everybody, you just see this leadership staff that is also abandoned to the Lord who has put in the years of sacrificing for him. And you just feel so safe and they model that. I I feel like I've seen every single leader get up at some point and share a very real part of their hearts or cry and not be afraid to do that. And it sets a standard and it it makes you feel closer to God and it makes you feel like it's okay to be who you are too. Okay, so the, so the next question is, so what do you think uh, were the major things that contributed to your change? I think the first that comes to mind is just saying yes to the Lord was what began all of the change. And even when, because I did first year and then there was a year off in between, which Mm -hmm. was like 
hell year for me. Oh no. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I still need so much more. Like I was, I had a hard time. I, I mean, just to be really honest, like there were so many thick places of disappointment and pain in my heart that even being submerged once into all of the truth, I needed a proper dunking again. Like, <laughs> I like for that. Real. A proper dunking. <laughs> Good. Um, so I, what I learned, though, was that if I was able to continue saying yes to the Lord, even though my circumstances or what felt true about life didn't match what he was saying, that if I continued just to say yes— and to hold on to the glimmer of what seemed like would be his truth for my life, that that brought about, oh my gosh, it was like an iceberg of change. And it's it's crazy that there's so much on the other side of your yes to yeah. him. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Um, well, I think ultimately the thing that transformed me the most was the presence of God. And I think that is something that Grace Center is definitely not lacking in is the presence of God is just there. It is. It's just there. It's like I've encountered the presence of God other places, but not quite like I've encountered at Grace Center. And I think it's the presence paired with the teachings, paired with community, paired with being a part of the church and exercising the very things that you've learned that is what creates the atmosphere where there's transformation. My first thought was just hunger, but I mean, it is kind of what you already said that there is an element you will get out of it what you put in because there is a lot of truth to something that Charlene would always say to me that first year. She's like, all right, Elena, like if you want to see this happen or you want to see whatever happened, you need to just start moving because the Lord can't drive like a parked car. Like you have to decide to put into gear. So there's right. like an element of partnering with the Lord that is really important. And I think for most of us at the point that we decide this, to do the school, we are just desperate enough to let him have everything because maybe other things weren't working. So how I was doing my life wasn't working for me. So you get to a point where you can recognize your own limitations enough to um, let him start telling you who you really are and start believing him. So I think learning to trust God and believe what he said about me was a really big part of it. But after hunger, I think it was being in safe relationship, which for me, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have a lot of safe family relationship and I actually didn't have many friends and any family members that were Christians. So having safe leadership um, changes everything. Having a small group leader that, receive me of grace. I remember going to my small group leader and just being so ashamed if I didn't finish my homework and all this performance stuff would come up for me and she'd always just receive me with such love and just hug me. And instead of, you know, addressing the, well, you know, you're in school. And so there's agreements of homework. You have to get it done. She'd always just like deal with the heart. And so I think that in the school, you're with a lot of people like that where it's safe and it's about your heart. It's not about your performance or what you can earn. And that was really big for me. So having you and Alan are two of the safest people I know, but also people that are so knowledgeable about the Lord in a head way, but also in a heart way. And I still to this day, if you guys tell me anything, I'm going to take it 
Like I don't, not in an unhealthy way where I will, you know, blindly follow someone, but I know Good. that I can trust you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I trust that, I trust the walks that you guys have led. You live the lives that you preach. And so every day I would sit on the front row and just be eating up everything you had to say because I could see the fruit in your life and I could see the kind of people you were. And I knew that I could trust you, which I think is a big deal for a lot of us because you've been hurt or I hadn't even grown up in church. I'd only heard of a God that seemed kind of mean. So to be in a community with leaders that were so safe and saw with such eyes of love and would reflect back to you how God saw you was a really, really big deal. Cool. Great answer. I think a big thing about physically being present for me was being part of a small group. And in, in being in a small group, you have a small group leader who has permission to call you on your stuff. And so... If I was doing the school online, for example, I mean, you could probably have an online small group, but you wouldn't have someone who's necessarily witnessing your behavior and seeing different things maybe come to the surface, which, you know, need to be dealt with. And it's not that they, it's not that they interfere in your life, you know, your small group leader, but they do have by implicitly, they have your permission to speak into your life. And so therefore, when you know, like they, they will see you in ministry. They will see you working out how you do prophetic ministry, how you do prayer ministry at the front. They will see all that happen and they will be able to sometimes take you aside and have a conversation like, hey, I've just noticed this thing. And that, you know, there's little things like that just cropped up through the year where, you know, my character got improved and I got more inner healing because of things that other people had witnessed in me and called me out on. It's so amazing. The, the power of confrontation. We've been taught mm. that confrontation is big, bad, scary. If you're being confronted, it means you've done something wrong and you're a bad boy. You're a naughty girl. But actually, confrontation is one of the kindest things when it's mm. done well. Absolutely. And it's one of the things we empower our leaders to do, hopefully very well, you know, with tremendous tact and grace. But I think you're right. The, I remember Danny Silk saying, if if you have a culture of honor without a culture of confrontation, you really have a culture of flattery. Mm-hmm. If I just tell you that you're awesome, but never help you fix the shortfallings, you're not actually served. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I think for me, why the change took place would probably be because I think uh, God always honors sacrifice. Yeah. And so for me, it was a big sacrifice to do the school. Mm-hmm. It was it it meant leaving a job that I held for seven years and... Uh, you know, it's an investment, it's money, it's time. And uh, so it was a bit of a sacrifice, but God always honors that. Uh, and I feel like the enemy deals in that currency of like, something's going to be wasted. Don't right. do it because you'll waste your whatever, fill in the blank. Right. Um, but realizing that, well, that's just a lie of the enemy, that you're it's a waste of time or a waste of, um, but realizing God always honors sacrifice and his yes towards me is always Uh, far larger than my yes towards him. For me, it was a daily choice that said, I quit my job for this. I'm investing money in this. I've given a verbal commitment to do this. uh, And I'm going to get my money's worth. I hate to say it, just on a most basic level. And I thought I I didn't spend this money and quit my job to be the punk rock kid that sits on the back row with her arms crossed, being cynical, skeptical. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I've heard that before. Where's that in the Bible? I thought that's that's not what I'm in for, mm. um, but I'm in to say yes, and I'm going to wrestle through this like Jacob wrestled with God and just say, God, I want to wrestle through this stuff with you. Some of this is brand new to me. Some of it I've heard before, but I'm going to like juice it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to juice it for all it's worth because I want the nutrients, the spiritual nutrients of what this school has 
Um, so I hate to say it. I think it's really a lot on the part of the individual. God's yes, yes is already there. Yeah. But when we daily say, all right, yeah, it's 8am Monday morning and I really don't feel like going. Nope. I'm going anyways. Cause I didn't quit my job to sleep in. Like right. I, I quit my job because I wanted more, you know, I agree hundred percent. I would not trade what we gave up for what we now have. Amazing. Well, this might be evident from all of your previous uh, answers, but the final question would be, uh, what would you say to someone who's thinking about doing the school? I would say what you gain doing the school is incomparable to what you're giving up. It's hard to see that on the front end, but coming from someone who's now on the back end of the journey. Yeah. And I would also say there is nothing... There's no greater investment of your time and your money than to discover who God says you are, who you are, what he thinks about you and what it is you're destined to do. Because otherwise, gosh, you could spend your whole life never knowing any of those things, Right? thinking he's an angry father or thinking you're just destined to a meager life with getting just getting by. And that's absolutely horrifically untrue. But you don't know that until you're sure. exposed to it. And so do it because what lies ahead of you is greater than probably you're, you're believing right now. Come be exposed to what's available. Just come read the menu, come taste some of the food. You know what I mean? Like it's, you, you just don't know until you do it. And like Quinn said, the sacrifice, there's something about that, giving it up, moving, giving up jobs, financial security, whatever it takes, because it's, it's your future self on the line that you, so yeah, I, I mean, I concur with what Adam said. And I think it came to me one time as just uh, an idea that you feel like you're giving up everything. And then once you give up everything, you realize actually it was nothing. Like it was, it, it because it has the stuff that you give up is of no importance now to you. But you it has, a, it has loads of importance to you before you give it up. But once you've given it up, it has no power over you. It, has, it just feels like nothing. And I would also, I would say on a practical level, you know, if you're thinking about doing the school, just push at some doors, you know, because there are, if you're coming from any distance to, tr- to do the school, there might be any number of practical uh, obstacles in your path. I would push at the door. So, for example, I got back from my original holiday um, in Nashville. I got back off the plane. I pretty much decided then and there I wanted to come back and do the school. But, you know, I had a job. I didn't know what I was going to do about that. I didn't know what to do about a house that I that I owned. Um, so I went, I went to see my boss. I actually sent my boss an email uh, before the weekend, knowing that I had a be- meeting with him on the Monday morning. I sent him an email and said, "Hey, uh, I had a great time in Nashville, and I'd love to go back and do the school. It would involve me being away for eight months, nine months, whatever it was." Is there any chance? I'd worked at that point for 16 years at that place um, for him and worked, I think, well. <laughs> and I think I had some favor with him. I did have favor with him, but I, I, I went, I didn't, I had no idea how he would respond to that. Um, And I honestly wasn't expecting a favorable response from him. But on the Monday morning, you know, he, got, he called me into his office and we sat down and he said, I got your email. I think it's a great idea. Wow. And I nearly fell off my chair because I was not expecting that. And so that was just one of the ways the Lord went here, you know, I'll make it happen. Yeah. It was like, he, I never felt like, uh, he, like I had to come into the school. I never felt like it was a compulsion. Like this is what you absolutely have to do next in your life. It was, it was an invitation. That's the best way to put it. It was like, he, he, he brought me over here. I had the foretaste. So I got the taste for, and I was, 
And I, I felt like he said, do you want to do it? And I said, yes, I do. And then pretty much he made everything happen. No, I had to then push at the doors and the doors started open. I'm like, okay, here we go. Gosh, I, it's, I feel like so many people say this, but it's like, even if there's just an inkling inside of you to just apply and go for it. I remember having a conversation with my best friend, Hope, who she also moved to come to the school. And we were just talking about her doing it. And she, we were just like, what if we just gave God a year? What if you just gave it to him? What if you just, why not? If even you have this tiny thing inside of you and it was, it's been so fruitful and so wonderful. I don't think anything could, I mean, nothing bad's going to happen. It's only going to get better. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. Honestly, what I gave up doesn't even come close in comparison to what I gained. Like fr- from my first ex- experience of being at school the first year, I'm seeing waves ripple through my family now. I'm seeing my entire family be transformed. Um from my risk and yeah, it's totally worth it. I think that the Lord is attracted to risk as well. I feel like he just, he loves to play chess with us kind of not in like a mean way, but in a kind, I'll let you win way. Yeah. Do it. Totally do it. Take the risk. It's worth it. Yeah. Again, I totally agree. I look at my life and I see 20, 26 years of living that I was doing the best I could But once I reached adulthood and caught a glimpse of what I was actually in, the idea of giving eight months to God to see if just maybe he could give me something better seems like such a small sacrifice for everything that I've gotten. And to think that, I mean, especially at the age I was, I could hear people's concerns of, you know, go have a career or I'm an adult, like I don't do school or I'm too old or I'm getting married or whatever it is. I had job transition and I got married partway through my like three year (laughs) SOSL journey. Partway through year two, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like I have all these things, but as an adult now on the other side, I've seen things happen in my life at an accelerated pace pace that I couldn't have done on my own if I tried. And for all the years of my life, living in LA, living in New York City, pursuing things, doing the hustle, like everybody's always talking about, I couldn't get for myself what the Lord was able to do for me even the first couple months of school. And since then I've seen things accelerate and I've come to know myself and become healed up in a way that I can actually pursue the things that the Lord had for me in the first place. Wow. So doing life with God, he can do things more than you can even, that you could muscle up yourself. So in the grand scheme of that, when I look at what my life is like now, that first year was just such a small sacrifice, even though at the time it felt like a big one because it felt like I was giving all of New York away the career path I thought I had for myself, um, my family in some respects, because I didn't know if they would be okay with my decision to become a Christian and almost all of my friends, my reputation, everything. But it became abundantly clear immediately. I never looked back. There's never a part of me that was homesick or that wanted to change my mind. It's just worth it. And God can do so much more with that. It's like what Mel was saying. He makes good on your investment because you're his investment. He's invested in me. He's not going to let it be a bad investment. He's going to compound and he's going to make it really wonderful. It's just what he does. Yeah, come on. I think the way I look at it is in the in the grand scheme of life, if I live to be 80, that would be a pretty healthy life. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So in the grand scheme of if I live to be 80, what is eight months? It's nothing. It's a, right. it's a blip on the screen. Um, so I think before the school, it's easy to go eight months. Oh my goodness. That's so long. It's really not. Mm-hmm. If you take eight months that sets you up for the next 50 to 70 years, whatever it looks like of your life. Um, and it's an investment beneath the surface of your life. I like thinking of it like an iceberg. So much of life is that little tip that everyone sees and it's the external. And um, But to really take those eight months and kind of dive deep to where the real like core of who you are, um, the real core of your relationship with God, yeah. and other people may not see it and other people may not understand. And I did have people that asked, well, what are you, school of supernatural, what is it? <laughs> and it was, it, they didn't get it. And they're like, what? I don't understand. So what do you, is, like, they would make jokes and, school, you know, um, and to just realize, like, it doesn't matter what you think of me. It doesn't matter what you think I'm going uh, to do in this next eight months. It's actually for me and uh, me and the Lord. And like Alan says, um, that self-care is not selfish. Yeah. And to really say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to dive deep beneath the surface get alone with God, get in community, do this school because eight months could set me up for the next 80 years. Yeah. So I would just say, do it. I've seen the change in other people before I did the school. I've seen the change in my own life, walking through the school. And then now out of the school, seeing people that are coming out of it and just graduating a month ago and seeing the change in their lives that I knew them before the school it's the growth. It just gets contagious. Yeah. We're like, oh, wow, look at that. They're not the same person, you know? So amazing. so what is it worth to you to give everything over to the Lord and see him multiply and give back? It's just, it's so worth it. It's one of the greatest investments ever. I was thinking as well that something that I thought about years ago before I decided to become a Christian, but I had one thought that I was like, what if... God is real and he is like what they're saying he is. Wouldn't I want to know? Like, wouldn't I want to at least try? Because if it's true, that would be everything. Yeah. And when you do the school, something that you guys teach when you're talking about the father heart of God is this idea that your understanding of who God is, is going to determine everything in your life. And so if there's people who are listening to this that are thinking that their Christianity maybe doesn't sound that exciting or they're not seeing the things that are in the Bible or they want more from their relationship with God. That's so valid because it's supposed to be this passionate adventure. And I think so many of us don't get to have that. And if there's any part of you that is curious, if God really is everything that the Bible says he is a really good way of figuring that out is to take a risk and to immerse yourself in something like this. And it's just like, again, it's so worth it. It's so worth it to find out because if, getting like a right understanding of who God is and who he says you are, that will change your entire life and will unlock everything about you. So wouldn't you want to try? Just risk it just to see, because that's what we all did. And it changed everything. And for any of the parents out there who are thinking, well, I have kids and what would I do? And they're not quite school age and that sort of thing. Our our daughter came in at six months, five, six months. And then now we've done two years at the school. And so she's literally grown up a year and a half of her life, two years, her first two years of her life in SOSL kids, which has been amazing for her to be getting at that young age. They teachers giving away what they've learned because all the teachers have gone through SOSL. So mm-hmm. we're journeying through it in our mid to late twenties. And then our, 
our daughter is getting it on a sort of one-year-old level, but, but no junior Holy spirit, but just soaking and worship and praying for her and prophetic words over her. And it's like, what a gift for her to spend, you know, two days a week for the first two years of her life in that same environment. So even if you have kids, it's totally worth it for them to go through it. And to clarify, SSL kids is our, our childcare track. So for the parents who are doing SOSL, their kids are on site with their parents in another classroom, getting to play with other kids and going through a kid's version of the SOSL curriculum. And it's it's amazing. It, it, it makes it possible for people who otherwise wouldn't be able to do it. And uh, we love it. Well, guys, girls, thanks so much for spending some of your afternoon just talking about the transformation you experienced in the school. We've so appreciated not only this afternoon, but being part of your journey of getting to watch God transform your life before our eyes. And we love it and we love you. Thank you. you. This is awesome. Our thanks to Amanda, Mel, Elena, Adam, Quinn, and Judah for coming on this episode and sharing their stories of what God has done. And if you want to experience transformation just like these wonderful people, you've only got a few weeks to get into this fall's school. The application deadline is June 15th. You can find out more about the school and how to apply at gracener.us slash school. Yeah, come spend eight months with us and see what God will do. And if you want the show notes for this week's episode, it's available at alanandaj.com slash 152. See you next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. Sharing their life experiences. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God. And everything under the sun. If you are a human being There's something here for everyone